Welcome, everyone, to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score. And today's episode is presented by Subway's $6 Barbecue Pulled Pork Mighty Melt Combo. Try it today. So the first week of preseason games is in the books. Everybody had a chance to overreact on Twitter to basically everything that they saw. And it was funny because I did my nightly game day takeaway articles. You can find those in the Score Fantasy Football Draft Kit. And I mentioned on Friday's podcast, but at the top of these articles, I said this week, you can't overreact. It's just one preseason game. A ton of starters aren't suiting up. And I still had people over the weekend giving me a hard time that I was reading too much into certain things. Folks, I'm recapping these games. We're we're trying to find nuggets to take away. We don't immediately have to toss cold water on everything just because it's the preseason. There's a middle ground we can definitely find, bring some context to things. And there were some interesting notes to take away, especially getting to see some of the rookies on an NFL field for the first time. I always love seeing that in the preseason. So today we're going to find out what our guest thinks of the, the first week of the preseason, see what his biggest fantasy takeaway was from the weekend. We're also going to talk to him about some of the recent news. We had some pop up here right before we came on and about who he's targeting and who he's avoiding and just his general quarterback draft strategy this season. So let's bring him on. It's Jason Moore from the Fantasy Footballers who have one of the most entertaining podcasts out there. They have an excellent site as well. If you want to follow Jason and all his exploits, you can get his fantasy advice on Twitter at JasonFFL. Jason, thanks for being here, man. Yeah, happy to be here. I, I know I'm the the third of the ballers to be on oh, the show. Oh, no, I didn't know if you were going to bring it up. Well, you know, you saved the best for last. I totally get it. Well, when I had Andy on in February, I actually apologized to him because I had Mike on during the season first because I had been in some some analyst mock drafts with him, and so I had a, a bit of a relationship with him. So I brought him on first, and then it turns out in the in-season accuracy contest – you and Andy actually beat Mike last year, so what a fool I felt like. I but know. He didn't even do that. I think he was in the top 20. All three of you guys did really well, though. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's. Uh, but it's always fun to drive the bus over each other when an opportunity presents itself. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, let's get right into it here. After the full slate of action, even more than a full slate of action, if you want to count the, the Hall of Fame game, although there wasn't much to take away from that game, but... What is your biggest fantasy takeaway from the first week of the preseason? My, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I echo a lot of your thoughts that uh, you you can glean some nuggets, but don't overreact. I would say my biggest fantasy takeaway, which is uh, somewhat of a joke and also somewhat uh, true, is that the incoming rookie or maybe second-year running backs that, that haven't had the opportunity yet, they dominate second-team defenses. Like... I mean, if you look at what, you know, Devin Singletary and Kalen Balazs and David Montgomery were doing, they were usually, most of the first week of preseason, they were out there against the second string defenses, and they just make them look stupid. That's hilarious because that's exactly my biggest takeaway, too, and I wrote about it in the Thursday Takeaways article, but David Montgomery and Miles Sanders, we know that those guys are going to have pretty big roles in year one. But seeing Singletary and Darwin Thompson and Justice Hill, all those guys stood out on the touches that they had. And I don't think that I'm overreacting by saying this when we're talking about Singletary and Thompson, but 
I did my rankings update today. I moved both those guys up. It's not crazy high. I moved them to, you know, around RB50, which is just a little bit higher than I had them. But we're seeing that we know that there is a path there for them to have bigger roles this season. Now, if we're seeing them on the field actually performing, and you mentioned it, it's, you know, not necessarily against starters, but if we're seeing them show some of these traits, we're seeing Darwin Thompson showing power, catching passes, even jumping over a defender on one play, we're seeing that confidence that he can do some things on an NFL field. I'm a little more interested in those guys now, and they're still sort of late round dart throw guys at this point, but if this continues throughout the preseason, these could be guys that end up swinging fantasy titles this year. Oh, certainly. I mean, uh, you know, we, we talk about the difference between, you know, obviously rookie wide receivers who don't, if, if it's not 2014, don't usually have an impact the first half of a fantasy season uh, or fantasy tight ends that almost never have an impact. On the flip side, fantasy r- running backs, rookies, uh, excuse me, rookie running backs, I mean, on average, two of the top 12 finishers every year are rookies so yeah you want those dart throws you want to find Philip Lindsay early in a preseason game who the camp vibe the drumbeat is going for and then they show up on the field and it's like okay the team puts them out against these second stringers what do you want them to do other than dominate and then tell the team get me more touches get me you know that that crack at that first team I think you've done it right moving both guys up your rankings but slowly you're not overreacting to preseason saying oh he's gonna win the job it's just let's keep an eye on these guys have the arrow pointing up and specifically talking about Thompson that leads us into one of the things I wanted to talk about and that's just that Chiefs backfield as a whole Damian Williams we expected throughout the offseason the the coaching staff the front office everyone said he's gonna be our lead back he's gonna get the shot to be that workhorse guy that's really how they described it throughout the offseason then we see him get the hamstring injury miss a a whole bunch of practice a week or so in camp and then Andy Reid comes out and says "Uh, might be more of a committee approach that we're going to do this year which was kind of strange because it was only about you know a week or two prior he had been talking about Williams being the guy and when you're talking about a committee in KC in the backfield it's not really something that they've done very much in the past Then we see Thompson come out, and like we just talked about, has a pretty good game, looks like a spark plug, looks pretty feisty, like he could actually maybe bring something to that offense. So because of that, I actually also moved Williams down a little bit. I had him as a high-end to to mid-range RB2. Now I moved him down to about the RB19 range. How do you feel about this situation right now? You got any fear about Williams with everything we're seeing in the last couple of weeks? So I've been on record on our show. I, I don't think Damian Williams is a great running back. I, I think he's a, an average running back who's found himself in the best situation in the entire NFL, which is being the lead dog for an Andy Reid offense with Pat Mahomes and all the weapons around him. If you go back and watch those games, yeah, he looks great running you know, wide open down the sideline. And he's like, wow, look at this guy go. He's scoring a lot of fantasy points. While I was saying, look, Damian Williams, I don't think he's a special talent. I was also ranking him, you know, top 10 on a weekly basis at the end of the year last year because of the role. So the issue that I had is, okay, they paid him a little bit, but it really, they did not give him a lot of money. They spent no capital to get him uh, originally. He's, you know, a, a veteran of many years in the NFL that never showed out. So 
yes, I have liked him. He's been, you know, my number nine running back at times through this offseason because of the system he's in. But of all of the top running backs, right, you, you, you go down the ADP list. There's only one guy on that entire list where if he were to lose his job for, you know, if, if he gets a hamstring injury in week three and leaves the field, that you don't know that he's coming back and inheriting that job. You know, if if Zeke goes down uh, or David Johnson goes down or one of these guys goes down for a couple of weeks and someone else comes and, and does a great job in their stead, when David Johnson comes back to the field, he's going right back to his role. But if Damian Williams has that happen, there's no investment from the team that says, well, he's our future. He has to be the guy. They're going to go with whoever's the hot hand. And so, yeah, there, because of that, Damian Williams carries a little bit more risk. I moved him down as well, but not quite as far as you. He's my running back 15. I do think he is good in the pass-catching role, which is the more valuable fantasy role there. But the history of Andy Reid says he knows how to select in the draft running backs for his system. Uh, he's obviously been there drafting uh, the uh, future starters for his system over and over and over with great success. So, yeah, I mean, you've got to keep an eye on Darwin Thompson. Uh, most of my fantasy leagues, uh, I've got him because it was just one of those running backs you want the situation, and there's not a better situation than Andy Reid's RB1. Even when you're talking about the job security, that worried me a little bit when Williams came back kind of soon. Like we thought when it's a hamstring, he's going to be out for a few weeks, maybe. He came back after about a week or so. And then you start to worry, well, is he concerned that maybe all this talk of Carlos Hyde or uh, an RBBC, is that starting to worry him? And now he's going to rush back. And when you're talking about soft tissue injuries, that's the last thing you want to see is him come back too early you know, re-aggravate it and then be out now for four to six weeks or something like that. So hopefully that's not the case. They did, you know, hold him out of the game. And, you know, that was something that people kind of jumped all over. Well, look, you know, Carlos Hyde's getting the start. Well, we don't have to get crazy about that. They definitely want to make sure that Williams is healthy. But I'm a little more concerned than I was before. And I'm also a little concerned about Dante Pettis. And <laughs> I know your guy, Andy, I tweeted out, I think it was yesterday, that he was taking Pettis off his my guys list. That, you know, all that recent negative talk about him has kind of put him off a little bit. I've been big on Pettis all off season. I do uh, worry when you see sort of everyone wants to talk about the positive drum beats. When you see the negative drum beat out there, it is concerning. So what's your outlook on Pettis right now? Oh, the news from the Niners camp over the last two weeks after we recorded the My Guy episode had Andy straight shook. I mean, he was <laughs> he was really worried because, you know, we only we only plant our flags on three My Guys every year, and that was one of his three, which ironically, I wanted to select Dante Pettis and couldn't because Andy uh, had kind of claimed him first um but the reality is look i mean you liked dante pettis andy obviously liked dante pettis i still like dante pettis i think the talent is there the opportunity is there everything says he should be a good fantasy option other than the current uh beat reporters and it's not just beat reporters a lot of times there's there's fluff or anti-fluff pieces that come out and say this guy's doing bad in camp well when you do bad that's that's a subjective opinion of the writer uh, I've been at a I've been watching a game before where I think someone just was unbelievable and the guy sitting next to me is like man what a bad game this guy's having I'm like are we watching the same game but the reports are 
look, he he had been the main flanker, and they moved him to the to the second team. He's ta you know he was he was. <laughs> that's not an opinion. That's just sharing a fact that he wasn't on the field. It's it's a fact that Jimmy Garoppolo uh, did not play, and Tevin Coleman did not play, and all these other guys did not play preseason week one. But but there's Dante Pettis out on the field. So and and so there's there's a couple different ways to take this, right? One is he really is letting the team down. The team does not believe in him. They are worried that they're not going to be able to have him on the field, and so they're just genuinely seeing what they have. That that that's a realistic outcome. The other uh, possibility is that this is them saying, "Look, he is our one, and he's not living up to our expectations. We need to send him a message. Let's take him down to the second stream for a week, make him play in the preseason game, and tell him he's got to step up his game." That's what I think is happening, and that's what I think that even if it's not entirely that. What what's the wide receiving core around him, right? Trent Taylor just broke his foot; he's out. You've got Marquise Goodwin, who's all okay, but he'll probably be injured soon too. And then two rookies, so it's Dante Pettis's job. I I truly believe that, and I think this is a motivational strategy. But obviously, you have to you have to know that when you're drafting him, you have to uh, factor in that risk into the equation. But it's not like Dante Pettis is this fourth round pick or even this sixth round pick he's usually seventh round or or even behind and right now after this news it doesn't cost you that much to take the shot at having the number one for Kyle Shanahan so am I worried sure is a risk yes am I still am I off no I'm still in on Dante Pettis right now completely agree with you there for me, what it did was I was probably maybe a little irrationally high on him. So when you're talking about that group of receivers that you can get in the, the sixth, seventh around there, the Mike Williams and Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk, mm -hmm. and there's a bunch of them. I had him at the top of that group. What this did for me is that now I've bumped him more to the bottom of that tier. So he's I pushed him just outside of the top 30, but he still has all the same things lined up for him, right? And, and I agree with 100%. I won't reiterate everything you said there, but I'm with you on, on that breakdown that sometimes one of the things that we can't judge, so we do have to speculate, is sometimes it is a coaching tactic. Sometimes a coach is, you see Belichick do it all the time. They asked him about Jacoby Myers and his answer was, oh, he has a lot of work to do still, right? He's not going to come out and say, wow, we're blown away by this guy. What a phenomenal, right? He wants to continue to make that player hungry, to keep them working. And so hopefully that's what we're seeing with Pettis here. And it's not more of, you know, a Josh Doxson situation or something where you have a guy who has a ton of talent and flashes that talent, but maybe the work ethic and maybe it isn't really translating to the field. We're nowhere near that yet. And because he doesn't have a ton of competition yet, we're still high on Pettis. But what did you think about Debo and, and Jalen Hurd? And it was in the second half that those guys went off, but they had really good games the other night. Well, I, I love both players as far as talent goes. Uh, Debo, uh, you know, I think was one of the best wide receivers in the draft. He reminds me of Anquad Bolden back in his prime. And Jalen Hurd, such a unique player that while I don't expect him to be a super fantasy relevant guy necessarily, what a tool for Kyle Shanahan, a guy that could be a tight end, a guy that could be a running back, was a thousand yard running back in college, and then successfully converts to wide receiver. And he's a tall guy, which is weird to have ever been a running back. So I, I like those guys. 
But at the end of the day, a Kyle Shanahan system is not one that is usually easy for a rookie wide receiver to pick up. And so I, I, I think that you're going to have growing pains with those guys. That's why year two Dante Pettis, I give the edge over those other two players that I that I really like their talent. And no knock on Trent Taylor, but his injury could be maybe a blessing in disguise. Maybe we see Samuel and Hurd even get more involved at this point. Hurd in the slot would just be phenomenal, right? Get him get him in space, get him that ball, and, and let him work. He, he's just so good after the catch, having that running back background. Seems like all the players that I'm asking about, there's sort of a, a negative twist to them today. And unfortunately, we got to talk about another player that has a lot of risk and a lot of baggage. It's Antonio Brown. And by now, everybody knows the situation, the, the frostbitten feet, the issues with him not wanting to wear the newer and presumably safer helmets, which have become mandatory. He then threatens that if he can't wear that helmet, he's going to take his ball and go home, that, that he's not going to play football anymore. We saw right before we came on here, the reports that the arbitrator ruled against Brown wearing the old helmet. We're recording this on Monday afternoon, so a lot could come out tonight, tomorrow, and beyond. But Jason, are you willing to take Brown in fantasy drafts in the, the second or third? Are you scared off? I mean, for me, he still has that number one overall wide receiver ceiling. It's still there, even with the Raiders, in my opinion. But now we have to look at him the way we're looking at Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott as these huge gambles early in the draft. So where are you willing to roll the dice on A.B.? Yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely take A.B. in the second round. The risk of him not playing football is not going to happen. Uh, the, the concern is the feet, not the helmet. Um, the helmet is one of those, you, 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 you know, Look, you you say I'm not going to play football. It's a bluff. <laughs> you know, you you're just you're putting all your chips out there, but when the NFL calls and you don't have a card to play, you just you lost. In fact, Antonio Brown looks like about 30 minutes ago tweeted, "While I disagree with the arbitrator's decision, I'm working on getting back to full health and looking forward to rejoining my teammates on the field. I'm excited about this season. Appreciate all your concerns about my feet." So, it really is the foot issue. Um, the the person that I think I trust the most when it comes to the injury issues, uh, Dr. David Chow at Pro Football Doc, he says the timeline should be okay for him to be ready. Obviously, it's a concern missing training camp, missing preseason games uh, on a new team. But Antonio Brown is still a great wide receiver. I think he's still going to have – he's going to be in the top five or six as far as target volume by the end of the year. So, yeah, in the second round, if he's dropping, I will, uh, I'll sign up for Antonio Brown. And I'll still take him at the 2-3 turn as well. The one worry that I have, though, is I thought a lot of the – uh, bizarre behavior, the craziness when he was leaving the Steelers was him trying to force the issue and get traded. And I thought, you know what? He's going to show up in Oakland. This is one of the hardest working players in the league. He's going to show up and he's going to have this, you know, chip on his shoulder and away we go. And now he showed up and we've had these strange things happen. That makes me a little concerned that maybe that isn't the end of it, that at some point in the season, and other people have brought this up already, but if at some point in the season, the Raiders are losing. Things aren't going well. Do we see something else pop up with him? Do we see another issue? You know, even when the cameras of Hard Knocks aren't around, 
will something happen at some point this season where it will cause him to miss time or have friction with coaches or, or anything like that? That has to be baked in as well, but I still think that he's a value in the late second or early third round. Yeah, I mean, there's no there's no doubt that he's got a little bit of the diva wide receiver crazy bug, but, you know, Terrell Owens had that, and even though you might not want him on your NFL team, he might not be a blessing even though he's so talented. He's pretty good for fantasy. So at the end of the day, you get all the stats. They can worry about the drama. I, you know, I, you, you do factor in the concerns, uh, but, yeah, I think we, I think we uh, are right to take him at that 2-3 turn. And I, I can't wait after all the, the talk and all the news in, in August and even dating back to July, we're going to see somebody win a fantasy title with Zeke and AB and Melvin Gordon on their team, aren't we? Yeah, for sure. It's definitely going to happen. We did this last year. Everyone loved it. So I want to do it again. We did four episodes in August that focused on one on each position. So quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. And we provided our general draft strategy and then we went through the players that we were targeting, the players we were avoiding, breakouts, busts, all that sort of good stuff. So late round QB, pretty much at this point, among analysts anyway, is sort of universally backed. Is that your preferred plan when drafting quarterback, or do you have a different approach? Yeah, no, it's definitely. If you're in a one-quarterback league, and even in a two-quarterback league, I, I still prefer to take the later tier guys because you can, if I grab three of those in a, in a super flex league, I can still stream from my bench the, the better matchups. But the reality is, I mean, last year and every year, every single year, there are more than 40 different human beings at quarterback that have a top 12 week in fantasy and there are only 32 teams. So, yeah, you can play off of the, the waiver wire. I, I mean, yes, if you grabbed Pat Mahomes at the end of the draft last year, well, that's that's great. You were happy. You had a plug-and-play starter every week. But, again, he was at the back of the draft. Look at who was at the top of the draft last year, and you were disappointed with just about every single one of them. If you drafted Aaron Rodgers first because you know he's the best, well, he wasn't. He was the quarterback seven. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm a big proponent of grabbing my quarterbacks late, stacking running backs and wide receivers early. I think everybody listening to a podcast like this has adopted that strategy because it's just helpful for winning. When if you look at ADPs, when you get to around even the eighth, but, but more towards, you know, the ninth, 10th, 11th, or even later, when things start to die down a little bit at the other positions, when you're talking about talent, there's still so many quality options in that range at quarterback. And that led, I had Mahomes on a bunch of teams last year. Guess what? I'm not going to have him on any teams this year because I don't think I'm going to take a quarterback in the first four rounds. He's definitely going to go before that. The only one of the early quarterbacks that I found myself with a couple times if he falls has been Deshaun Watson. And I'm not sure if it's the Texans offensive line or what, but I have seen him fall the odd time where he ends up in the seventh round. And you know what? That gets pretty close to that range that I would normally look at. And he's my quarterback too this year. So I have got him on a couple teams, but when looking at it, I just don't see any reason why you should spend up. And unfortunately we still see it in casual leagues. Mahomes might go in the second round. I believe you mean, I believe you mean fortunately still see it in home leagues. (laughs) That's where you take advantage of it. All right, let's talk about breakout quarterbacks this season. So I'll let you go first on this one. Who do you see as a quarterback breakout this year? So uh, he's already broken out, but I just want to pile on your Deshaun Watson uh, take. There's no seventh round that he would ever 
get past me on. But if, if we're talking late round quarterbacks that could break out, uh, the first guy I would bring up would be Josh Allen. Josh Allen universally trashed by the analyst community because he is clearly not the most accurate quarterback that according to preseason game one has held true he uh, was terrible on some of those deep balls and his accuracy looks like the same old quarterback but you could argue the same thing about Cam Newton who when he plays 16 games averages the quarterback two and a half he is always a top end option because he runs the ball and I mean, just look at what he did his rookie year when he came back from injury weeks, what was it, 11 through 16 as far as the, the, the games, game 11 through 16, he was the quarterback one in fantasy. He was on pace for a 1,200-yard rushing season. Fantasy scoring, in my opinion, I know Mike from our show agrees, is broken. I hate that quarterbacks get a point for 10 rushing yards but a point for 25 passing yards. Uh, they, I think they should get the same for both, but regardless, they don't. Platforms, Most platforms don't even have that as an option to change. So, you know, getting the rushing quarterback is always going to be better, and if you're playing a four-point-per-passing touchdown league, those rushing quarterbacks who can score, and that's what Josh Allen did, he had five touchdowns in those uh, few games, those six games that he was there. I mean, you're going to end up winning fantasy leagues on the ground with quarterbacks in a four-point passing league. Yeah, he's one of the strangest cases. There's a bunch of potential breakout guys that have that rushing ability. Uh, I wrote up Mitch Trubisky mm -hmm. uh, in our draft kit. I know everyone hates on him. Another guy who might not be the best quarterback, but in the system that he's in, he's a, an underrated rusher, had 421 yards in the ground last year. That was fifth most among quarterbacks. I, he's a guy that has weapons around him that has that great system that he's going to be able to produce even if he's not the best quarterback in real life. And I'm a Bills fan. I have to say that right off the start. But Josh Allen also deserves to be in this conversation for sure. I'm with you. I love that they got John Brown to pair with him. And one of the reports that we're hearing out of training camp and out of practices is that John Brown's been really good at adjusting to some of those deep balls. And we did see them complete some of those passes downfield. He doesn't have to complete 60% of them, right? If you're getting 50 yards, that's a big, big play for fantasy. So yeah, Josh Allen, definitely there. I'd also just toss in Lamar Jackson. Yes. Uh, very similar to the Josh Allen situation with the exception of maybe they're going to scheme a little more for him to rush where Josh Allen's a little more of a, a scrambler. It's going to be a wild ride when you own Josh Allen. But he's going to have some big fantasy weeks. And all those guys that I just mentioned, that you mentioned, Josh Allen, all those guys have a chance to be quarterback ones this season. You, you bring up Trubisky. A lot of people don't realize what a great rushing quarterback he was because at the end of the season, you look at his splits. The second half of the year, remember, he was injured, and he clearly was not running the ball the same. You know, if you look at from uh, week eight on, he was on a 16-game pace of 286 rushing yards, which is still good. That's not bad. But the first half of the season, he was on pace for 677 rushing yards before he got injured. So, I mean, not, not to say that can't happen again, but he runs the ball a lot more than most people give him credit for. And you can wait and grab two of these guys late and take your shot, right? That, last year when I got Mahomes, that's what I did in a bunch of leagues. I took Mahomes and I took Trubisky, who actually was decent uh, early in the season before the injury. Um, you get two of those guys, maybe they both hit and you can trade one of them away or maybe one of them hits 
If not, quarterback is so deep that if they both fail, you can go to the waiver wire and I bet you there's going to be somebody available. We'll talk a little more about some sleepers in a second. The only other guy I want to mention here in the breakouts, normally I don't talk about rookies as breakouts, but (laughs) when you're talking about the system potentially being broken, Kyler Murray could expose that more than anyone this year, right? Kyler Murray could come in and have one of those Peyton Manning, uh, Patrick Mahomes type seasons and not because he's going to throw for 50 touchdowns, but because he could rush for a thousand yards and he's in that, what we project to be a high volume passing game with Cliff Kingsbury, he could completely break the system in fantasy this year. 100%. He was the second guy I was going to bring up. We're out in Arizona. We, we hear the buzz. We see it. You know, everyone does right now across the country. But the reality is if you're a top 10 NFL draft pick and you're a running quarterback, you are always good for fantasy your rookie year. Obviously, Cam Newton exploded. Robert Griffin was great. But even the Vince Youngs of the world uh, were great for fantasy, top 10 fantasy quarterbacks their rookie year. And now you have a guy coming in that not only is maybe uh, as good a rusher as everyone but Cam, but then he's actually accurate. He might be a great passer too, which isn't usually matched. So I, I think Kyler has the ability with the pace of play that you're going to see in Arizona to just put up crazy stats, even if the Cardinals aren't a 500 team, could put up crazy stats. Um, I I love him as a breakout candidate. Yeah, the biggest takeaway from his first preseason game was that accuracy. He was unbelievably accurate, so that's really exciting to see. I like talking about the positives. I hate talking about the negatives, but we got to tell people who to avoid this year. I'm curious, who do you think is going to bust that quarterback? Well, I, I, I've got two names, and I, obviously I think in order to bust, you have to be drafted high. You you know, if if uh, if Lamar Jackson busts, he doesn't really bust because he didn't cost you anything in your draft. Um, Andrew Luck's calf scares me right now. So I'm, I'm kind of avoiding him until I see him for a long period of time playing football because he's had this weird calf injury that has kept him out now for months going back to OTAs and and all the the volunteer camps. So I just worry because the last time I've seen a weird injury that shouldn't be lingering this long, it was with Andrew Luck in his shoulder. So um, it's just kind of put up the spidey senses. Uh, But the other quarterback that I'm kind of anti, like I get a lot of grief for my ranking, is Matt Ryan. Number two quarterback last year. Obviously, he's a, a very good quarterback always up near the lead league leader in uh, passing yards. Last year was the number two fantasy quarterback. Two years before that was the number two fantasy quarterback. So uh, I've got him at quarterback 14. He's going to have the yards. That's no doubt. But the question is, does he have the touchdowns? Because over the last four years, on average, he has 28 touchdowns. But sometimes he has these monster years Uh, and then sometimes he lulls back down. And when I look at the team last year, how depleted their defense was, how they couldn't run the ball near the goal line without Devonta Freeman, and all of a sudden Matt Ryan, who had zero rushing touchdowns over a five-year span, had three rushing touchdowns last year. If you give him just his, you know, the last four years, his average passing touchdowns and rushing touchdown totals, he basically is where I've got him ranked, uh, and I think that that is a likely or at least a uh, a possible outcome. And when you have all these other stars that could explode, I've chosen to uh, you know have 
Matt Ryan be my sacrifice in the rankings. I It's not to say I don't think he's a good quarterback, but I mean three of the last six years, so 50% of the last six years, he hasn't been a top 15 fantasy quarterback. It's been every other year, so uh, it's within his range of outcomes. He's a guy that is being drafted high that I think could bust. Somebody needs to tell Matt Ryan that needs to run the ball a little more, right? Right. I mean, yeah, these <laughs> pocket passers, it's hard to draft them. The only other name that I'll mention in, I think, I'm not 100% sure where his ADP is at the moment. I think last time I checked it was around QB 16. Um, it's Tom Brady. And I think it's because the name value is going to push him up draft boards. And, you know, a lot of people listening to this are in those home leagues where people are going to tune back in around mid to late August and get ready to do their draft. And they're going to see Tom Brady on the board. And, well, it's Tom Brady, maybe the best quarterback of all time. I would stay away from Brady completely this year. If you can get him very cheap and you want to pair him with one of the upside guys, maybe, but he won't be on any of my teams. Don't love the weapons. Don't love the fact that he's going to be without Gronk here. Again, another quarterback that there's just zero rushing upside there for him. So someone I'm staying away from completely. And a guy who's going pretty cheap, so he wouldn't really qualify as a bust, but he's somebody I'm staying away from as well, is Kirk Cousins. Just because Minnesota showed us what they want to do late last season. They want to run the ball in the second half of the year. Cousins fell to low-end QB2 range. I think that's where he's going to be in 2019 as well. All right, enough of the negativity. We get to go back to the exciting stuff, sleepers. And that's another one that can be very hard to qualify, right? I tend to define it as someone just that the public is overlooking. They have to be going later in drafts. You know, last year, I remember I, I saw someone out there suggest last season that Sony Michelle was a sleeper and he was taken in the first round by the Patriots. I'm not sure at all how he could have been a sleeper. But anyway, um, looking at it this year, for me, for example, at quarterback, Sam Darnold is my guy. And it's there's big upgrades on the line. They get two former all pros on that line in Coleccio Semele and Ryan Khalil. Hopefully those guys have something left in the tank. It's got to be better than what the Jets had last year on the line. Then you bring in Jamison Crowder to play the slot for them. There's a lot of talk that he's going to catch a lot of balls. You got two new pass catching backs there, not just Le'Veon Bell, but Ty Montgomery as well. You add that to Robbie Anderson and Quincy Anunua, and Chris Hearn will be suspended for four games, but they love him there. Adam Gase referred to him as a unicorn at one point in the offseason that he can just do it all. Darnold actually also looked good late last season when he came back in the final month after being hurt he was much better much more poised so because of how deep quarterback is Darnold's going undrafted and I don't hear many people talking about him in the fantasy industry as someone who also could end up in the top 12 quarterbacks this season that's not a crazy thing to say so maybe Darnold was your guy if he was, sorry that I stole him right off the bat there, but I wanted to sort of define, you know, what I'm looking at as a sleeper. So who do you have for a sleeper this year? Yeah, season? I mean, Darnold was definitely on my list. He reminds me a lot of Trubisky going into last year where people were like, no, he's not ready. There's no way he can make that transition to the top 25 in rankings. But then you just take a step forward. I mean, a lot of people thought he was better than Baker in the draft last year. Should have been the number one draft pick. I, I love Darnold as a sleeper. I'm going to go with someone that I think everybody just overlooks over and over and over, despite the fact that uh, how can you call him a sleeper when here's his fantasy ranks? He's been in the league for three years. He was the quarterback six 
the quarterback 11, and the quarterback 10. He's literally never not been a quarterback one, and yet when you look at the draft, you can get him for free. I'm talking about Dak Prescott, the $40 million man who wants his money. I mean, once he got Amari Cooper last year, the last four uh, from from that point on, so it was the entire half of a season, he was the quarterback six. So to me, Dak is just so overlooked by the public. They don't think that he's a great passing quarterback. He doesn't rush as much of the, as the Lamar Jacksons, but the reality is he's a really good fantasy option. And I, I, I also think the offensive coordinator change is going to help Dak a lot this year. So I, I like him as an overlooked guy. If you want someone deeper, and it sounds gross, really, really gross, but Derek Carr has been a top 10 fantasy quarterback before, had nobody to throw the ball ball to last year, has Antonio Brown, Tyrell Williams. Uh, you know, maybe he could be one of those guys that is, uh, is at least certainly streamable in the right matchups who's going to go undrafted. One of the craziest things about Dak, who you mentioned there, six rushing touchdowns each season since oh, the mark of the beast you just don't see that kind of consistency when you're talking about rushing touchdowns from quarterbacks and when i did his projections this year how can you not give him you have to give him six you have to do it again right? well the thing is is it's it's actually repeatable because of zeke you when you watch it's not like an accidental play call it's the team has to sell out to stop Zeke, and they have a mobile quarterback that, hey, here you go, play action on the goal line. You're not catching Dak. So uh, he's going to get his rushing touchdowns down there. Carr's a, an interesting deeper one, uh, like you said. Just with them bringing in the weapons this year, last year after Amari Cooper left, who did they have? There's a reason why Jared Cook had over 100 targets last season. They just didn't have that much at receiver. And now with AB presumably going to be there and, and Tyrell Williams and even other guys, weapons that they can, can use like J.J. Nelson, who has speed, who can get downfield, who can help that offense. Uh, very, very interesting as a guy who's, yeah, when you're talking about free, he's more than free. He's probably going to be on the waiver wire for a week or two at the beginning of the season. <laughs> Certainly. One deep guy that I want to throw out there, and this is one that isn't going to happen until midseason, maybe even late in the season, it's Daniel Jones. And I, you know, we're talking about Ooh, a, we're fire. talking about a position where there are so many quarterbacks, there's probably never going to be a reason why you need to put Daniel Jones in your lineup. But the reason that I want to bring him up is he's another guy who he's actually a better runner than people realize. And that's something that could happen. He's a rookie, he's gonna get in the game might not be great making those reads. We've seen how many rookie quarterbacks who just take off running because they don't know where they should be throwing the ball. I could see that happen. And the weapons the Giants have, even their offensive line, it isn't as bad. Right now, it's as bad. Obviously, they're not going to have Golden Tate. You know, Sterling Shepard, is he going to be available for week one? Early in the season, that receiving core is a problem. But later in the year, when Tate is back, when Shepard is healthy, with Evan Ingram there, Barkley, one of the best pass-catching backs in the league, we might see a significant upgrade from Eli Manning. Manning could be part of the problem that's holding that entire offense back. I'm not saying that they're going to be great, but late in the year, I would not be shocked if Daniel Jones gets in somebody's lineup during the fantasy playoffs and potentially helps you win a fantasy playoff game. That's fire. I mean, I, I could see him making the transition and taking over, but I don't think they have the weapons to make a rookie Daniel Jones Super relevant. Now, will I stream him in the right matchup? Sure, because I love streaming 
guys that you you don't expect. But I'm that that one's going to be hard to be a to be a sleeper that on a regular basis can really. I mean, similar to Josh Allen last year. If you said that, I probably would have been against the take. But then at the end of the year, he comes out and for that stretch was the quarterback one. And let's make it clear, I am not telling anyone to draft Daniel Jones. That is somebody you're going to be able to get up in the waiver wire when he eventually becomes a starter late in the year. All right, so we like to wrap these up with one big defining question. You really got to plant your flag on this one. You got to tell us who is the quarterback that is going to lead people to a fantasy title this season. Well, uh, going with the uh, later, not super late, but I, I think Carson Wentz is the guy who, I mean, look, two years ago, he was basically the quarterback one, but then he got injured, played only 13 games, finished the season on the season totals without two games as the quarterback five. Last year, you could tell he wasn't running a lot. Now in camp, he doesn't have a knee brace. He's got Deshaun Jackson, which there's a lot of data that shows how valuable he is to the fantasy quarterback of his team. Dallas Goddard coming into year two, and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is there. I, I think the passing uh, system for the Philadelphia Eagles is going to be awesome. I think Carson Wentz will throw you know, up near the league lead in touchdowns, and he's not going to be one of the first four or five quarterbacks you have to draft. So he's kind of that. He's that guy. However, however, if I can just say, if Deshaun Watson has fallen to the seventh, he's going to lead you to a title. Because that guy, he's the only guy that I think right now just has a legit shot of just being better than Pat Mahomes this year. I actually think that Wentz could be better than Mahomes this year. Well, all right. I, Wentz was also my answer for this one. And I, I write the article on the site that we do. You know, seven players are going to lead you to a fantasy title. And Wentz was my quarterback in that article for all the reasons you just said. One of the big ones, though, is if you want to invest in that Eagles offense, because I think we could all agree that Eagles offense looks like it's going to be phenomenal. The offensive line is so deep. The, the weapons in the receiving core, like you mentioned, even just having some competent backs on that team. Now, last year, they couldn't find anyone to really take that job late in the year. And the fact that Wentz didn't play that bad last season, even though he wasn't even running that much. Now you're going to get him healthy. He's going to run more, like you said. If you want to invest in that offense, the way to do it is you just get Wentz. And then you get to take advantage of all of those weapons without having to figure out, well, is Alshon going to lose some targets this year? Is Djax going to get enough work to be a fantasy star is Ertz gonna you know have some some targets siphoned off by Dallas Goddard this season which I think will happen I still think he's going to be a top three tight end but he's not going to catch 116 passes he might catch around 90 or something like that um, the way to invest in that offense is to get Wentz and we saw two years ago the guy was an MVP the guy could put up a 40 touchdown season he could really do it and if we expect a little bit of regression from Mahomes it wouldn't shock me. I think that there's the ceiling there for, for him to be the number one overall fantasy quarterback. We are in agreement. So that's a, a good way to end the show for today. Jason, really appreciate you coming on, taking the time to, to join me. I know this time of year is when things start to get, you know, a little crazier. They start to ramp up a little bit. So it can be tough to carve out an hour here or there. So really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, anytime. It's, it's a crazy time of year, but this is the time of year that, yeah, I mean, us fantasy fans, we love, we crave it, so bring it on. Go follow Jason on Twitter, at JasonFFL. Go check out the Score Fantasy Draft Kit to see today's updates. 
Make sure you subscribe to the alerts from the NFL Fantasy News section on the Score app and to the podcast on whatever podcast platform you're using. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Justin Boone. Big thanks to Jason. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening, and we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me.